The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. It is Monday, October 19th. Most of the uh, teams are down to their 23 or even 22-man rosters at this point. We are closing in on the start of real, real hockey. And I am both super excited and somewhat disengaged. Season hasn't started yet and you're disengaged? Uh Uh-oh. Okay. I told you at a couple of points last season, I did not really believe the Bruins could go all the way. Okay. I, I, I tend to agree. I don't think they will either. Well, last this was for last season. I didn't think they were going to go all the way. They were reminding me too much of the 0-9 team. This year, I am stoked to see the young talent. Absolutely, like, legit excited to see Patois, to see, uh, even to just see more of Trent Frederick and um, see see Beecher finally, like actually finally get to watch him in real NHL games. Um, I think I, I, I if we're, we're using cap, I'm using cap friendly as of this time uh, to project the lineup. We don't know what it will actually be because the Bruins have been known to be a little bit squirrely and move people up and down. Um, we're going to talk, we talk, uh, they waived uh, AJ Greer. He was claimed no, no surprise there. He's an NHL player. Um, I suspect that we'll see Lysel at some point this season. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't know I, I agree with you. I don't know if I agree with you there. I don't. I. I know that. I know they say that. One of the things about training camp is you know you don't want to stand out. Well. You don't want to stand out for the wrong reasons. He didn't stand out to me, but he didn't stand out for any reason. I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't wowed by his play. Mm-hmm. I think he still needs a bit of seasoning, and he might need to put on a little bit of poundage. To, well, put on poundage. You put can on say muscle. that about r- literally all of the rookies and potential rookies. Agree. Yes. I mean, Pochois. Clearly has the instincts and the understand and the like and the conscious understanding of the game. I I am worried about his like strength, but there's only so much you can do with a 19 year old body. Um, Lorai, official not officially on the roster yet. I will be completely unsurprised when he plays a game when he plays games this year. Um, so I was somewhat getting- surprised Kuntar was sent down. And something we haven't talked about, which shocks me. Yes. Frederick was signed to his to his uh, entry level contract, and we literally never mentioned it. Uh, 
uh, he literally didn't do a whole lot in the training in the preseason games either. I don't know how many he played in. I thought I saw him in at least two, but again, not something that jumped out at me like, wow, we've got to do something with this kid. You know, no, I'm not saying that he should be, you know, second pairing on the Bruins to start the year and, you know, hunt to whatever configuration you, you're thinking of and just hand it to Brunei and Lorai or whatever. I'm just saying from what I saw of him at dev camp from, and the fact that literally no one has, and that people talked about him a lot over the summer. I'm just surprised that I haven't seen anything on him since a week after dev camp. But we talked a boatload about guys like Brett Harrison and Merkulov, and neither one of them made the made the squad I wasn't either. I mean, surprised Merkulov didn't make it. When I watched everyone at camp. And I thought of what we saw from Merkulov last year. Merkulov is primarily a goal scorer. He's okay. bounced back and forth between center and wing. Um, something I think that will get held against him. The P. Bruins played four playoff games last year. He was a minus two, had one assist. Zero goals after a 24-goal, 67-game campaign. Um, and the Bruins' biggest need was centers. He's listed as a left wing on the on the roster. Um, but I think I, I genuinely think that it was Puchwa's spot to lose after training camp. I think that Puchwa and Beecher if they weren't penciled in to the actual roster, uh, you know, September 1st, they were at the top of the short list. Agreed. But what I saw of them and what was that? But only played the first preseason game. Uh, well, the first, he didn't play the first two Beecher played the first two. And I was sold on Beecher after the first two preseason games. I, I was, fairly certain that he was he was definitely challenging for a spot and just watching him over the course of however many games he played was it four he played in four of them I think at least uh Potois his first game multi-point game my concern was is he going to wear down just in 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 preseason but obviously he did not and his ability in the faceoff circle his ability his vision, his awareness just stood out, and I'm not surprised that he made it. So I, the, the yeah, I, I'm just, I'm concerned more, like you said, with the size and. And that concern is deep-seated. When I, I mean, check the, go back in our archives and check what we've said about Heck, going back to Nugent Hopkins. I think Nugent Hopkins should have had another year in junior. Maybe even two. He got multiple shoulder injuries in those first two years. 
because he was a skinny stick. A talented skinny stick who would have been who would have been probably a little bit bored in Major Junior. Europe is bored as long as he's healthy, maintaining his drive and building muscle. As long as he's not, they're not picking up bad habits, the physical development will protect them long term. I, I just hope, like Beecher is 22. That's a different animal than the 19-year-old Matthew Potois. He's also six. Yeah, he, I was going to say he's also six three. He's 216 pounds. His size is not a concern. It's looking at Matthew Potois. Uh, 5'11", 180, 19 years old. Yes. Will he compete with the bigger boys? Can he Can he hold up physically? The last guy I saw that, that really stood out to me that was listed, well, I mean, we had Sergey, who was listed at 5'8", and 185, or 5'9", 185. And we I mean, all know that, we all know that the 5'8", or 5'9", was... Slightly exaggerated. The 185, not so much because the man was built of muscle. I don't think he had more than one or two percent body fat. <laughs> no, Courtois uh, is effectively the same stats as David Krejci. He's a better skater, but Krejci, I believe, was 21 when he came up, and there's still that higher density of muscle with that extra year or two. Um, and rem- I don't know how many people remember, but David Krejci in his first or second NHL game, it might have been the first, I think it was actually the first, he got knocked out by Campbell of the Sabres. Massive uh, concussion. Yes. Ended his reg- Ended his NHL run that season. Um, he ended up coming up start of the year with uh, with Lucic the next year. Played well for a little while. Got sent down. Was down for several weeks. Came back up to the NHL. Um, and that was the last guy at that size that we've really seen come in and excel at the level that we're seeing. Now, one of the things that I really, 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 really want to repeat again, I said it on Twitter. Yeah. I saw people sit drawing parallels to between Potois and Bergeron. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I literally wanted to go find this guy who I really like as a rule. And I wasn't sure whether I wanted to drug test this man or punch him in the face repeatedly. Um, if I knew how to skate, I would have gotten him into a hockey arena and possibly done both. Um, but no, the face of the franchise for two bloody decades is not replaced by anybody. Ray Bork wasn't replaced by anyone. Patrice Bergeron is not going to be replaced by anyone. Bobby Orr was not replaced by anyone. No, Potois is going to come in and be a guy whose number doesn't get used after him. Great. 
but he's not going to be Patrice Bergeron. He's not going to be. He's not going to be Nifty Middleton. He's not going to be anybody who's up there. But I'm sure if he's, I'm sure if he's interviewed about it, uh, well, sure. I would think that he, if he's interviewed about it, he would say, "I don't want to be the next Patrice Bergeron. I want to be the first Matthew Poitois." I mean, does he want to, does he want to model his game after Patrice Bergeron? Would he like to have the results Patrice had? Yes. Durability I, that Patrice had. The, I don't the think the respect I, level Patrice had. Sure, anyone would. But I never wanted to go into any sport that I played wanting to be the next guy and wanting to be the next so-and-so. I wanted to be me. Did I want to have the results they had? Would I have loved to have gone in, into Major League Baseball and hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases? Yeah. But I don't want to be the next Jose Canseco. I want to be the first, you know, off wing. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know. I mean, is he does he have the tools? I believe, yes, he has the tools. But it's a long way. It's a long it's a long way from having the tools. To. To to making that hallmark work of art. Yes. That masterwork. Excuse me. Yes. I mean. You could take Patrice Bergeron's contribution during that cup run, and that almost – that and his international play are probably enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. So all that being said, I mean – and 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 the, the expected free agent signings, with the exception of Patrick Brown, they did have five people that they put out on waivers. A.J. Greer, you mentioned – and yes, he was claimed by the Flames. Uh, Patrick Brown was put out on waivers. Jesper Boquist, Jakob Zaboral, and Oscar Steen. Did they clear? I don't know. I haven't seen anything yet. So I'm assuming that they didn't and they're going to be heading down to Providence. But they put those five out. And yeah, the guys like Morgan Geeky that they brought, you know. Morgan Geeky made the team. James Van Riemsdyk, he made the team. It's a it's a passing of the torch sort of year for the Bruins. I'm not calling it anything other than what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. The I'm next not calling season. it bridge year. I'm not calling yeah. it a rebuild. Uh, but I will say, yeah, it's if you're expecting the team to come within 20 points of what they did last year. Um, within 20 points? I wow, want that's... to know where... I want to know why, and I'm quite curious what you've been consuming lately. Well, on the defense, still have the Hall of Famer, still have Hampus Lindholm, who I think got hosed in, in Norris Trophy voting. Still got Brandon Carlo. Still got Matt Grizzlick, who I know that you are a huge fan. I love Matt Grizzlick as well. Still got Derek Forboy. I think the surprise 
on the defensive side as far as making the team have to be the next three with Shattenkirk and Ian Mitchell, who I know very little about. I know that he was acquired in the Taylor Hall deal mm-hmm. um, in Chicago. Don't know a lot about him. He did play for Montgomery at the University of Denver the year that they won their national championship. Uh, then again, so did uh, what was his name there? The one that went to Denver, Will, Will some, uh, I can't remember his name now. Off the top Butcher? of my head. Went to, Will Butcher, thank you, went to the New Jersey Devils. And didn't do a whole, I mean, wasn't, didn't, he was supposed to be wow and didn't do. So that's great. And then there's Mason Lowry, who at his size is like, Wow, I didn't realize he was 6'5". I thought he was like in the 6'1", 6'2", possibly 6'3 range, but mm-hmm. listed at 6'5", 211. And even at 211, it, it, I still think that he needs to put on a little bit of meat, but he didn't leave them much of a choice. If anything, during the preseason games, I think Lowry made made them look at Zaboral and say, do we really need to carry... Zaboral around. Mason Lowry has the instincts. He's he's a converted forward, so he's only been playing defense, I guess, for a handful of years now. Yeah, it was I think he was already into juniors before he started playing uh defense. You can see the offensive I mean, you can see the offensive skills during the pre, during a couple of the preseason games. I mean, some of the moves he was making in his own end with uh, with forwards coming at him was like uh, at one point he peer, he, he did one he did a kind of a spinorama or or deep to spinorama and then passed off to Carlo and he looked very good with Carlo they're similar in size and even during interviews he said there's not a, there's not anybody really better that I can learn from this guy has the same size we have similar games you know this is a guy I can learn from and would I be offended if we had another guy who plays the way Brandon Carlo does? I don't think I would. But he's got more offensive upside than Carlo does, even though Carlo has been picking up the offense with Montgomery wanting them to activate more than they he's have not, under. Well, he's not only got more offense, he's got better foot speed. I mean, yes. Brandon Carlo is not precisely slow. He's, you know, somewhere – five, seven percent above league average. Mason Lowry's in the top 25 percent or so. I'm going to need to see him in 15 or 20 NHL games before I peg him any tighter than that. But that's a difference maker. If you can have a guy who's going to play in the realm of Brandon Carlo defensively and do it faster and still have some offensive upside. Yeah. You at minimum two years from now have a very solid number three defenseman. It'll be interesting to see where he is after his, after he hits that kind of benchmark, the 200 games that we talked about, or Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see where he's at at that time, because watching during preseason. Yeah. He, he showed that he has more. We've seen him at dev camp. I got to see highlights of him 
and a couple of on Big Ten Network, a couple of Ohio State games watching him. And he was clearly one of the best players on the ice during his college games. Yep. But to see the way he played in the preseason games, it was like, all right, yeah, this kid does belong. And it was a surprise to me. I don't know if it was a surprise to anybody else. I mean, he played literally half an hour while it was like 29 minutes and 29 minutes and one second in the first preseason game. He played half good at the end of the game. Played half the game. And still looked good at the end of the game is the important part, because making the jump. From the from straight from college to the NHL, yes, he played five regular season and three postseason games for Providence last year. But a college schedule is at most 30, 40 games. We're talking double that with cross country travel, with going from Canada to Florida in the same trip. Um, it's a different it's a very different animal. And I'm going to uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's playing consistently north of 16, 17 minutes, if he hits that rookie wall and how he responds to it. Um, He has got to be the only NHL prospect that I can think of. He's definitely the only prospect I can think of who came out of a military prep school. Culver Military Academy Prep. Um, anyone think of the think of Lori hits 100, 200 games that his jersey's going to end up being retired there? <laughs> it's a possibility. I don't know of anybody else that came from there. Uh, it's it, it just it shows that you that there are so many ways to make it to the NHL. Just so many. Yes. Agreed. Um, And, and and again, just to tie the bow in this particular story, the one the one non-surprise was the fact that, oh, wait, uh, oh, Mark and Swayman are going to be in goal for the Bruins. As yeah, much as I love. No, Brandon Bussey put on in that first play, in that first preseason game, Bussey put it out there that he's not taking uh, he's not taking going back to the AHL easily. He's. I don't blame he's, him. He's, he's knocking on the door. I mean, he was he was stunning. Twenty nine save shutout, uh, and Boy, they weren't he all way better in the preseason than the other than Ulmark and Swayman. And they and and they weren't all. We're not talking easy saves. From granted, the defense was doing their job as far as trying to keep players, you know, on the perimeter, but. He had some tough ones, especially the one where it was highway robbery and the fans inside TD Garden were on their feet. He got a standing ovation in a preseason game. Yeah. People who don't get it about Boston. They recognize their They recognize good play. Boston will always have. A hard core hockey scene, like as hardcore as any other hockey market in the world. We will criticize the team. We will criticize the players. We will shred the media occasionally. 
okay, regularly in some cases. Um, the Jacobs family have been a well-deserving punching bag on occasion for a couple of decades. The front office uh, deserves an occasional kick between the uprights. No. But there will always be fans of hockey in Boston. I would hope so. Um, Original Six franchise, we are celebrating the centennial of the Boston Bruins this year. Absolutely. Um, Before we jump off of the Bruins, um, this week's will he or won't he poll question was... Matthew Poitras, drafted out of the Storm City, uh, the Gulf City Storm, is the subject of this week's Willie Aroni poll. Will he get cut from the NHL Bruins before the start of the NHL regular season? Technically, we're not at the start of the season yet because the Bruins haven't played. (laughs) Okay. But the poll results were fairly firm. 61% of voters said no. And uh, the rest were probably wrong. Well, it's weird. I mean, when you think about it, if he got sent back, if he got sent back to and he still can be they I mean, they have the 10 game audition, yes. which I I definitely think he earned at least getting that 10 game look. It, sending him back. Is that is that cutting him? I mean, it's or is that just. It's cutting. Okay. Um, and that's why I worded it the way it did, because I honestly am very tempted to make the make next week's poll or this week's poll. Will he make it? Will he play be? Will he play a 12th game? Um, a 12th this game. season. But we're going to ju- uh, one other thing. Uh, what's the thing? Because I, I mean, my my thought process is. He goes through these 10 games, has six points, two goals, four assists. Statistically, yeah, it's all right in 10 games. He averages if he has six points in 10 games and they send him back. Um, it's going to be because of something he did off ice. Okay. It's either going to be something he did off ice or the team needs blowing up and they don't want him in a negative environment. Those are really the only conclusions because 60 uh, uh, percent, that's very nearly the uh, Krejci level production the last two seasons he played for Boston. Okay. If you can get that out of a rookie, (laughs) you take that every day and – and you thank you thank your scouting staff for it. Um, I did run another poll this week, real quick. Um, I put it up, ran it for a couple of days. Uh, question uh, poll was: uh, How many rookies start the year with the Boston Bruins? Um, I mentioned Kuntar, Portois, Beecher. Right now, Cap Friendly's roster shows. Just uh, Courtois and Beecher. That is not official. Um, that, of course, is subject to change between now and game time. 
Uh, oh, the wait. There's Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell is. Did he? Has he actually played twenty? Oh, he has played more than twenty-five NHL games. So well, not a rookie. Just the low is actually not shown as He's one not. of the seven defensemen. Interesting. Yes, uh, it is very interesting. So who is to be believed? Um, I think that the pundits are probably right that that's what it will look like. But it does not yet look like that. Um, so the poll was uh, how many rookies will start the season uh, with the Boston Bruins? Options were one, two, three, or four plus. Bravissimo. And I wish I had your faith to everyone who voted for four plus. <laughs> um, you and the folks uh, voting for one. Um, you're seeing the world a little differently than I was because I was fairly certain it was going to be two. And that's what got 35.3% of the vote. Um, but it looks like 53% of follower of voters are going to be right. If Lorai is on the team uh, to start the year, because they all 53% voted for three. Okay. Um, I think that's a I mean, this is going to be in some ways the youngest team the Bruins have iced in a decade. I mean, look at last year. You had uh, Bergeron, Krejci, and Marchand um, all over 35. You had um, what's his name? Uh, The one who came uh, whose brother plays in Minnesota. I was going to say, they got younger sending out Hall and Foligno to Chicago. Foligno. Uh, yes. Um You had. They got younger because Hall and Foligno. Hall and Foligno were moved. They got younger because Patrice and Krejci retired. Mm, Nosek is gone, too. And Nosek is gone, yeah. They did get younger. I mean, you look at who's on. Zaka is only 26. I didn't know he was only 26. I thought he was a couple of years older. DeBras, 26. Uh, yeah. Frederick, 25. Morgan Geeky is only 25. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. And it's not that Nozick is old. He just turned 31. But going from having a 31-year-old as that center of your fourth line to a 22 year old, it's kind of a big deal for a team that's been very, very veteran heavy and older veterans at that. Um, I'm very interested to see what the energy and resilience of the team is like uh, this year. Where do we want to go next? Oh, where's my stories? There's so many stories, so many, so many. What is this neutral site thing? Or do we want to save that for, like, as we're closing the show? Because that one grabbed me. I didn't know. There's, You know what? There is a whole bunch else to talk about. Extensions and, and we've got extensions around the league. We've got extensions, retirements, future coach watch. Well, three names that stood out to me that extended recently. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that one of the names we had bandied about uh, a couple of times uh, being in Anaheim was Jamie Drysdale, whether you should trade him, not trade him. In fact, he was a 
big we uh, about a month or so ago, maybe a month and a half ago during the summer, we were talking about would you trade Bedard to Anaheim and what would Anaheim give up and I wouldn't give up Drysdale type of thing. Um, Drysdale just extended and it's not for as much money as I would have thought. And I mean, three years and he's averaging two and a half or slightly over two and a half a season. Unless I'm misreading it. Nope. You're not wrong. I would have um, thought he did. I'm a little surprised by it until you take into account his noticeable injury history. And he Noted. was, memory says he was also a RFA without arbitration eligibility, which gives the team a little bit more leverage. Okay. Um, but but for but for a player for the number six overall pick in 2020, yes, I'm I'm more than a little surprised. It's it's not even over two and a half. It's it's two point three per year. A six point nine million dollar contract for three years. Yes. No, I'm sorry. But he's no, played 2.4, 2.4 something. No, three years, two point whatever. He's played a total uh, of 113 games. Okay. That's it. He played 24 in the 2021 season. He played 81 of it, uh, in the 21-22 season. He played eight games last year. But eight. as it as it says here in the LA Times article, and and they mentioned Zegris in the in the you know Zegris got himself a three year seventeen point two five million dollar deal. Um, and this was this article was written on October fifth, and yep. on the Monday, I'm not even sure what the fifth was at this point. All the days seem to slam together. Have you noticed that lately? Uh, but the Monday prior to this article, so it, literally days before. Drysdale's extension. Zegers gets three years, 17 and a quarter million. Zegers and Drysdale are key components of the Ducks' young core. They are. Along with two-time All-Star Troy Terry, Mason McTavish, and Leo Carlson, the second overall pick in this year's draft. If he is a key component and you locked him down with only $2.3 million per year, mm-hmm. is he really key or are you just concerned that you don't want to overspend. I mean, I'm missing something. I'm you not sure. got lucky. And oh, you're okay. hoping you get lucky and he gets healthy. Because in the same amount of time, mm-hmm. um, Zegris played 81 games last year, 75 the season before, okay. after only playing 21, uh, 24 in that 2021 season when both of them came into the league. I'm not saying Trevor. I'm not saying Trevor doesn't deserve his contract. <laughs> Sixty-seven more games and very productive games. Um, you could question the plus-minus, but we know the whole team is um, subpar. Yes, subpar. You're always accusing me of being nice. Wow. Subpar. The other. So. That's one extension. The other two extensions, and really they caught me off guard because both of these guys are 30 years old, as we discovered pre-show. 
but up in Winnipeg, where if you don't have Josh Morrissey, how good is the team really? But they just extended both Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebach to seven was it seven year seven year contract extensions for both at eight and a half million dollars per year for both. Um Hellebuck has played a bunch ton of hockey in the last Hellebuck several years. Has, has played a hell of a lot of hockey. <laughs> um sorry I couldn't I'm not resist. surprised <laughs> that he got it. Well, considering last year he was still in the Vesna conversation. He was still I mean, in the Vesna conversation on a team that was not spectacular. Yes. Finished with a 920 save percentage, more than respectable, doing it on a team that lost its ace on the blue line. Um, that takes uh, that takes doing. Uh, I mean, he's done. I mean, Shipley's done a lot for them as well. He ranks first in franchise history in playoff goals, first in regular season game winners in franchise history, chasing the franchise lead in regular season goals, where he's second, assists, where he's second, points, where he's second, and games played, where he's third. I, I, I'm not saying that they're not deserving of these contracts it, it just i'm just surprised that at the length and the amount the the length of the contracts because at, at 30 do i believe that shipley is going to finish the contract yes do i think hellebuck's going to finish the contract not with winnipeg probably not no another contract that's worth talking about Yes. Happened a couple of days before. Matt Zuccarello. I missed this one. What did, what did Zuccarello do? He still has this season remaining on his deal, where his cap hit his six mil um, total total payout uh, is five. Two year extension, four point uh, one two five per per year. Um, in cap hit, um, Matt Zuccarello is 36 years, just turned 36 years old. This is the guy that I wanted the Bruins to trade for when they traded for that Rick Nash guy. (laughs) Yeah, that was 2015. Can you imagine how much different the Bruins might have been in the last nine years? Had they had him as one of their top two or three right wings in that time versus David Pasternak and a couple of Zamboni drivers? Can you imagine how different the team would have been with an actual playoff performer? That too. (laughs) They might have actually gone and won in 2019. No. Bite your tongue. (laughs) <laughs> Matt Zuccarello still there. And, and the thing is, he was with he was with the Rangers at the time. Yep. And the guy was still pouring the puck in the net, if I'm not mistaken. Last season, 78 games at 35 years old. 22 goals, 
45 assists on a team that, you know, had a six-game playoff run. They were in which he had five points, two goals and three assists in six games. Five points in six playoff games. He's 55. He's better than half point per game. 55 points in 96 total playoff games. Uh, 573 points in 766 career games. And Mm -hmm. he's a plus 58. And he's not and he's not shy. He's got 291 penalty minutes. So he's not shy about um, physicality. Uh, and this is a guy who's been doing it all along, 67, 79, as you said. And this is an undrafted guy who's been in the league for, since he was 23 years old. Uh, so back in the 10-11 season, he hit the league. You know, I I look at players like this, and my and my question is always, how do you miss them? I mean, yes, he's from Norway, and that makes it – and he didn't play in any of the better-known hockey markets. Okay. But he still played in the World Cup. He Well, actually, he played in the Swedish Hockey League um, a couple of seasons. Um, he played international hockey. He was right there. Who didn't scout him? Who didn't scout him or said, okay, or applied the uh, Vince McMahon rule and didn't draft him because he's under six feet tall? Well, Moto Hockey in the in Swedish Hockey League in 2009-10, 55 games, 64 points. Uh, 2008-9 Moto Hockey, 35 games, 40 points. I mean, were you locking were – were they watching and just went – and then he played. Oh yeah! And then 2007-8, he played for Frisk Asker in Norway. 33 games, 64 points. I mean, were you just watching and say, "Well, you know, it's kind of a fluke." You, you know, these are easy leagues or something. I mean, how did how do you discount or not or I don't know. Anytime you're at double the points per game, uh, at two points per game or so in a league, someone should be looking at you. You would think should be at minimum getting a hundred hours of game film on you and watching it until their eyes bleed. You would think. And I'm, and he, he, so he signed a two year extension at four and a quarter, 4.125 per year. Mm -hmm. That's actually not. That's a pretty friendly deal. Particularly yeah. given the expectation that the cap is going to go up significantly next year. Um, wow. I missed that one when I was going through extensions. And you were talking about Mark Shifley. Yes. 30 years old, won't turn 31 until March. Um had himself a solid season last year, uh, third highest or fourth highest career points, um, had a goal in the playoffs on a team that had a lot of injuries by then. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Winnipeg Jets this year. Blake Wheeler is not – Blake Wheeler will not be on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets in the 
for the first time in the history of this incarnation of the Winnipeg Jets. He was there when they moved, and he's been there the entire time. He might be the last of the original guys uh, on that roster. I would have to go back and look. Um, you can safely discount all of the guys under 25 or 26, but. So they bought him out. Which. Blake Wheeler. Yeah, I never. Well, I'm looking at dead cat money. I'm, and it says buyout history. So I'm, I, did they buy? I don't. I don't. I don't remember hearing much about him moving somewhere or them moving him or them. No, he went, he, they they bought him out. He immediately, almost immediately, signed with the Rangers. Oh, good. So we get to face him more often. Excellent. <laughs> and he basically signed a. He he signed a gimme contract. Like, let me pay the rent. <laughs> let me pay the rent. <laughs> Which in New York is not necessarily easy to do. Agreed, yeah, agreed. Um, but he's basically paying for veteran minimum plus a 300,000 performance bonus. Wow. 800K, 800K cap hit. Wow. I mean, I don't know what to expect from from Winnipeg. I mean, I mean, this is a guy who still put up 55 points last season on a not very good team and had 60 points in 65 games the season before. I don't know. But he's also had a thousand games in the NHL. Yes. 1,100 games in the NHL. It has not come anywhere near a cop. I suspect his next anytime contract now, it's going to be. Isn't the closest they came? In the closest they came, the Western Conference Finals against Vegas in their inaugural season? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I'm not. Uh, not that I don't think. Not that I don't wish him never to win one, but I don't know that the Rangers are going to get there this year either. But that's certainly another topic for another time. So, I mean, so we had those four extensions and possibly others that we've missed. We apologize if we did. We will try and find them out. We had a couple of retirements. One that I wasn't really sure if he had already retired because he hasn't played since 2021-22 season. And that's Corey Schneider, who was uh, – he's from the Salem, Mass. area. Um, played bulk of his career in New Jersey and and then in Vancouver. Vancouver, right. But he hasn't been around for a while. I know that uh, – I know that he, he – needed a change of venue he was uh, toward the end he was struggling in new jersey but it he just didn't show up anywhere and and then he wasn't even it wasn't offered a contract my understanding so he actually retired from the game of hockey uh the other 
the other retirement, and I'm not sure whether I should be surprised or not not surprised, but the other one was is um, somebody that I think we liked. Uh, decent sentiment, played for four teams in the NHL. Uh, most notably, I would say the Rangers. Uh, Derek Stepan has called it a career after I think it's 13 years. Not surprised. I loved young, healthy Derek Stepan. It was worth comparing him to Patrice Bergeron. Was he Patrice Bergeron? No. Was he a very effective uh, player? Yes. Um, but, I mean, you don't have to look further than his numbers in his last three seasons on the ice to understand why he retired. Um, I wish him well. Whatever he decides to do next, awesome. If some team is smart enough to put him into their development system and have him working with their young players, if that's what he wants to do, go for it. I don't think that would – yeah, I don't don't think that that would be a a terrible thing if if somebody were to hire him as – Sort of like the Bruins bringing in, you know, McQuaid or, or, or Chris Kelly or, well, Chris Kelly's actually a coach and not just development. Langenbrunner, you know, if you're bringing in these guys to help develop the younger players, I think that that would suit him well. I think that he, the way he plays the game, I think would be a benefit to younger players. Uh, so, just going back to Corey Schneider. Uh, he played mo- most of the last two seasons in uh, the AHL. Okay. Um, 21-22 season, um, 30 games, uh, 921 save percentage in the regular season, six games, 927 save percentage in the postseason, and then 22-23 season, 33 games, 913 save percentage uh, for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Not terrible. Those are those are solid numbers, you know. Yeah. It's he got, he got hurt at some point while he was in New Jersey. Um, I think it was during that fifteen sixteen season, and he really just never recovered. Not to an NHL level. Could he probably still go play in the KHL for two years and rake in some really big money for uh, for two or three years? Probably, yeah. Does he need to? I hope not. I mean, he spent a good amount of time in the NHL, and Cap Friendly estimates his earnings at fifty-one million. You know, before taxes and everything. He's been somewhere. Uh, he's been somewhere. Blake Wheeler hasn't. Stanley Cup final. Unfortunately, he was on the wrong end of the Bruins that year. And, mo- and spent most of that. Uh, playoff run on the bench. I mean, he played. Well, he's playing behind Bobby Lou. He did have to come in and spell Bobby Lou a couple of times in the Boston series. (laughs) Only played in five games in that playoff run. Well. Um, You know what? Local guy, born in Marblehead, Phillips Exeter, uh, Phillips Academy, or Phillips Andover Academy. Yeah. Boston College. Um, went to the Manitoba Moose, Vancouver Canucks, um, did the Spangler Cup, um, New Jersey, 
Islanders, finally the Bridgeport Sound. Uh, he did, he played for USA Hockey in his career. Cup still has a nice long career, 410 NHL uh, regular season games. That's a lot of ice time for a goaltender. He's got a, a lot career. He's got a career 918 save percentage. Career 918 yeah. save percentage. But he doesn't have anything to be ashamed of. When your body gives out on you, there's poop you can do about it. Yes. And let's face it, uh, that third or that fourth year he was there in New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey was decidedly ungood. Yes. And that was part of the problem was they were decidedly ungood. They didn't have a good foundation in front of him. And he was taking the brunt of what was going wrong because he was the goaltender. He was the goaltender who went from three seasons there in the 920s in save percentage to 908 and 907 and got hung out to dry with a roster that was, generously speaking, AHL average. Yes. Very so true. So whatever Corey has or doesn't have going, um, you know, if I run into you, Corey, in uh, one of the bars in the area, I will pretend I'm buying you a drink, but both of us know you have more money, so I like my <laughs> cognac straight up. Now, I'm telling you, with a 918 career save percentage and a 2.43 goals against, which, yeah, it sounds a little high, and maybe it is a little high, but it's not terrible. It's Given some it, of the awful teams he had in front of him, I'm amazed it's under 2.6. And I think that uh, if he so chooses, I think uh, goaltending coaches is certainly something he could uh, take on. I mean, look at Bob Asenso. And look what he's done with the goalies in in Boston. And I'm not just talking Bob about Asenza, the two. I'm not just talking Bob about Asenza the two. Should that he has. legitimately go into the Hockey Hall of Fame for his coaching career. Yes. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Boston fan. I'm saying that because of the result. Period. Well, look at the look at who he's worked with and what and what they've produced. <laughs> he's got. Hasn't he had at least three um, Vesna Trophy winners? As a goalie coach, Thomas. Yes. Uh, yeah. Rask, Rask and Olmark, and the change and and the one subtle change that he made to Olmark's game that led him to get what they uh, have what they call the triple crown of a goaltending. He led the league in wins, save percentage, and goals against. And when was the last time you had a goaltender who went a whole season? With the goals against under two. 1.89 last season. I don't know. (laughs) Certainly not playing that many games. Someone who played 20 games? Okay, maybe. Yeah. Where to next? Oh, my goodness. We're all over the place here tonight. Uh, Looking, looking, looking. Hey, now we can talk about neutral site places. (laughs) Gary Bettman is all about growing the game and growing the league revenue. Okay. And I already know which story we're going to after this one. So um, we'll talk about that in a minute. 
like a lot of people, I do watch stuff other than hockey, particularly in the hockey offseason. Watching um, uh, the WWE show on Saturday night. They're in Indianapolis at the Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And the lighting is great. The fans are just exuberant. And I've never heard of the place. I'm not a basketball fan. But I've never heard of the place. I heard it. I heard. I knew. I knew about it once. I once they late once they. I read the article and they said what the former name was, Conseco Fieldhouse. I went, oh, I know where it is. Ugh. Correct. But the name, the the name it has now, yeah, don't recognize it. Um. So here's my thing. We see, we've seen teams go all over the globe in the last twenty years. All over the globe. Yes. What we haven't really seen is the neutral site games in North America that we were seeing 10 or 15 years ago. Indianapolis, Indiana is right smack dab in the middle of a bunch of hockey cities. Not if I remember correctly, not the biggest building. Not the biggest building. It's twelve thousand five hundred seats uh, when configured uh, with an NHL-sized arena. Now, I have said in the past, and I will stand by this, that the NHL should go back to having to allowing teams to have their own distinct rinks prior to the long, the lockout in uh, 2005 before all the new buildings, NHL rinks were different sizes. The boards were shaped different in Boston than they were in Buffalo, than they were in Montreal than they were in the old Quebec arena than they were in Minnesota or Dallas. And it was part of that home ice advantage. And it was a big deal. Goalies loved and hated certain buildings. Players loved and hated certain buildings because you had with the angles of the boards, the Well that was the, that was that was huge in Detroit. The the end boards in Detroit were unbelievably lively and Detroit knew the Detroit players ex, yes, they used that to their advantage. Uh, on multiple occasions, especially back when they had the Russian Five, and and then when they moved to Little Caesars Arena, they tried to replicate it, but I don't know that they quite have the the, the rebound that they did in the original building. So yeah, they, they the 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 old buildings, the, the the original you know the original Boston Garden, the boards were oh yeah unforgiving and. They they had little nooks and crannies, and the puck would come off and go in weird directions. And now I think there should be a minimum and maximum size, but I think allowing teams to have to add a little character to the games 
by restoring some of the historical differences to buildings. I, I think it would do a lot to spice up the games. Um, I think in some, I think in some places it could be a, an issue of real estate. I mean, in Boston, where are you going to put another arena for hockey only? Yes, they have Warrior Ice Arena, but that's not. Uh, no, that's that's a that's practice not, facility. It's a yes. great practice facility, but that's all it is. Oh, it's brilliant. Yes, but. But going back to looking at the ice size. Okay. Or. In terms of the the I'm sorry, going back to looking at Indianapolis as a hockey city or a potential neutral site city, you know what? Like looking at the map, you can draw a pretty straight line between St. Louis and Columbus, and you're going straight through Indianapolis. You can almost draw a straight line between. Uh, between Nashville and Chicago and go through Indianapolis. You're pretty close to Detroit. The We talked earlier about, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Columbus, um, pushing and growing hockey, all sorts of tournaments. Um, there's Detroit is close enough to Canada that you, those Indianapolis players or Northern Indiana players, their families can make the drive close okay. enough to St. Louis to get to the tournaments there. Um, why is there not at least an AHL team or a USHL team in this arena? In this arena or in Indiana or in Indianapolis? It's it, somewhere in the state. There's no hockey in Indiana, Indiana. There's a junior league that no one's ever heard of who lives outside of Indiana. Okay. But in terms of like, I don't believe that there's, there's no professional teams. I mean, I, I think Indiana university feels a hockey team. Uh, (laughs) Notre Dame fields a hockey team there in Indiana, but yeah, beyond college, do they have an AHL affiliate? Do they have a minor league affiliate? Do they have an ECHL affiliate? I don't believe so. They, I, if, I'm sorry. As much as the ECHL is fun and accessible, it's not pushing the bounds of hockey. It's not growing the game. I understand that, but I'm just it, – it's still a level slightly above college hockey or in most cases I mean there are some college teams that probably could be DCHL teams but I'm not actually sure it is above college hockey um, <laughs> okay fair enough I, I was trying it's to very much a developmental league uh, but I, again I'm not sure that it's above no there's no there's no AHL teams uh, in in, uh, in in Indiana, and I think the first the first step is run the neutral site through there. Maybe it never gets an NHL team. That's okay. But if you can run uh, 
three neutral site games there between, uh, you know, you have the first game between Chicago and Detroit and a day later you have Columbus and Nashville and a day later you have, um, you know, St. Louis and Nashville or maybe bring Boston and L.A. Excuse me. They did actually have a a professional ice hockey team. And I don't remember. Surprisingly, I don't remember them because I spent a lot of time watching the and watching the IHL, the International Hockey League, mostly because I was watching the Detroit Vipers. They had this guy named Sergei Samsonov. I don't know. Never heard of him. No, but Indianapolis had an IHL team called the Indianapolis Ice. They played from 1988 to 1999, and then they moved to the Central Hockey League, because the IHL folded, from 1999 to 2004. So it's been roughly 20 years. Since they had anything like professional hockey. Yeah. That I can find anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't find anything else. Um, this is if this if this building is worthy of of hosting NBA games and WNBA games, at minimum, you ought to be able to run a a couple of neutral site games there every year. Um, we've talked about Salt Lake City as a potential expansion city in the in the past. Oklahoma City has been brought up more than once. Okay. There's there's still hockey markets to be built, and for lack of a better term, exploited. Um, in the U.S. We've got 20, there's what, eight Canadian markets? Eight Canadian markets? I thought it was seven. Seven Canadian markets. Yeah, seven. We could easily produce two more, maybe three more NHL teams. There's Houston. There's the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Maybe San Antonio or Austin. I think Austin probably actually is, despite being the smaller, the smallest major city uh, in Texas, probably the best potential for an NHL franchise simply because it has so many transplants from so many parts of the country. Uh, but Dallas is obviously just a much bigger metro market um, and is further away from Houston. Um, so you're not going to run into as much in the way of fights with current ownership over media rights. Am I talking, am I saying that we should be putting a team in Bismarck, North Dakota or Grand Forks? <laughs> no. Well, they have a U. Well, they have a USHL team in Fargo. They do, and it has a bigger arena than the uh, than the Coyotes are playing in. <laughs> the Coyotes are playing in a five thousand seat. Yeah, okay. 
Um, real quick, I need to circle back to Indianapolis real or Indiana real quick because I've done some digging and I found that they have, as far as I can tell, two franchises out of the dozen or so that are listed that all say we're a franchise, we're a franchise. They have the Evansville Thunderbolts, Evansville, Indiana. They are a team in the SPHL. Yep. They play at the Ford Center in Evansville, Indiana. And they have the Indy Fuel. They are an ECHL team, as we discussed, not... They started in 2014-15. They are based in Indianapolis, and they play their home games at Farmers Coliseum on the Indiana State Fairgrounds. And they are actually affiliated with the Chicago Blackhawks. So you could conceivably run neutral site games in Indiana and have Chicago Blackhawks fans show up if you put Chicago as one of the teams in that area. Have Chicago do a neutral site game against uh, – Colorado or something, but have it run in Indiana. You get, you know, Colorado is going to be a draw because they are who they are with the players that they have. Chicago is going to be a draw because their their ECHL franchise is there. I yep. I think you could make it work. I'm not saying that they're inundated with hockey. Obviously, Notre Dame is probably the biggest draw as far as hockey goes in the state. But I mean, it is doable. And as far as North Dakota, it's cold, suitable for hockey. They've got the USHL, the Fargo Force. I I think you could actually do neutral site games there and get away with it. I'm not saying that we expand to Team 33, Team 34 and put an expansion in, in, in North Dakota, but I think that if you try neutral site games there and see what works, Yes, I, I, no, maybe. It would be fun to see. I think you can pull off neutral site games as long as there is some tie to hockey. That's why I did a little digging. I wanted because if there was no tie to hockey, I mean, they have literally like ten franchises that they all say we're an we're an ice hockey team affiliated with. We're an ice hockey team in this league, and they had the the checkers and the Chiefs and the Blizzard and the ice and the but. If there was no ties to hockey, it would be harder to do it as a neutral site. I think the fact that even though it is an ECHL franchise, having it tied to the Chicago Blackhawks, an original six, I, I think that gives you the in to at least attempt a neutral site type game. Oh, absolutely. I I I think it's a I think it's a good idea to start doing more neutral site games in the U.S., even in Canada, wherever you can, because you need to grow the market. You need to do the work on the ground and you need to stop doing. You need to stop doing things with bad optics. Um, Bad optics. Okay. The NHL has recently announced its ban on pride tape on sticks. I'm sorry you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Go ahead. 
Um, now, as a there, we all we all remember the fallout of Provorov and what's his name, who's not in the league anymore, uh, who was bought out by the Flyers over the summer, refusing to wear uh, the Pride jerseys for religious reasons. No one ever required anyone to put any particular tape on their sticks. White, black, black purple, green, green, purple. yeah, pink. Suddenly come out and ban any variety of tape. Gary Bettman, what is wrong with you? I don't understand. Again, you created the you created the issue by well, he didn't create the issue, but you want to you want to show your support for Pride, you know? Okay, they're going to wear warm up jerseys, and the NHL does it. They have warm up jerseys for various and sundry causes, uh, cancer, uh, hockey cures cancer. They wear the purple. For whatever reason, supporting pride, and then the hockey players create the issue. But they're still using it to, to, to turn around and say, "Well, you can't use the the pride tape any, the pride colored tape, the rainbow tape anymore." You can't have your cake and eat it too. You you had to make a decision on the jerseys. Now you're banning the tape. It, Stop. It is- let's go back to something Sarah Sib tweeted earlier. March of last year, March of 2022, mm-hmm. she tweeted out that Gary Bettman's league offices had discontinued the Hockey is for Everyone uh, ambassador program. Now, we remember the Hockey is for Everyone ambassador program was started uh, in part as a memorial to the late son of Brandon Burke, uh, of, of Bur- uh, wow, Brian former Burke. general manager and uh, NHL general manager and hockey president, son who passed away in a car accident. Yeah. Um, and the program was disbanded because of a focus on other programs. Um. My question is, Gary Bettman, in your world, what year is it? Is it like 1950, the height of the uh, Cold War, where, you know, saying the word uh, that contains the letters G, A, and Y in those letters, or convincing people uh, that someone is that thing, can get you sent to jail, can get them sent to jail? Okay. Just... I have, and, and and as it says, most egregious of all, I'm I'm sure that they can find a way to monitor these things during warmups before a game. They managed to ban this pride tape on the ice during warmups, during games, and even practices. How are you monitoring practices to see if they're using? A particular type of tape. Better question. Why are you monitoring practices to see if they're using a why particular you, type of tape? Why are you 
digging this grave, Gary. It's literally one step forward, two steps back when trying to get this league. Brian Burr. Um, this is look I I can't even talk about this because it's just so dumb it's just so dumb whether you are an ally whether you're somewhere under the rainbow yourself whether you hate the topic, this sort of heavy-handed ban doesn't – it just doesn't play well. Did, You're okay. begging for bad things to happen. Did You're he begging this? for one of the players because I guarantee you the math says there is at least a hand more than – there's more than a handful of gay – bisexual, pansexual players somewhere in the league. Seven, eight hundred guys who play at some point every season, there's a couple. Does some harm to themselves or simply has a breakdown. This is going to blow up in your face. It's going to burn parts of your body that are not normally exposed to the sun. And who's advising who's advising Batman on this? Do we really think that this is just Gary being Gary? I mean. Um, if Gary is doing this, he's doing it because a majority or. Not necessarily a majority of owners, but the majority of league money representatives so the governors the owners the presidents of hockey operations or whatever of the teams are pushing him in this direction the nhl in the in the you know what gary i will i will say the same thing about gary with lowered expect with much lower expectations than that i said about Colin Powell uh, a while back while he was uh, while he was working for one of the presidents. Sometimes to keep your integrity, you need to fall on your own sword and say, bleep you, I'm out of here. Unfortunately, well, no, I, don't think he, I don't think you should phrase it like that. I think you should just back out quietly. I don't think he wants to be making us think about it. The NHL has a strong years-long history of outreach to the LGBTQ community through Pride Nights, a partnership with You Can Play Project, and others. The NHL has a decade of mostly goodwill to reflect on. Mostly. Now the league is starting a new chapter. truth is the NHL should never have gotten here. The league should have given better guidance to teams on how to implement pride warm-up jerseys last season to avoid all of this. So you're giving, you're giving the people complaining about protecting the lives of others 
their way. You're you're effectively giving the bullies the win. Yeah. Congratulations, Gary Bettman, and everyone standing behind you. And by the way, thanks for turning my the game that I love into a I don't even know what to call it. Because it's embarrassing. It, it, seriously, why are you banning tape? Why are you... Yes, you have players that have religious beliefs, and the, 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 that should have been handled differently as well, the way that it, it should have been handled. I, I just can't. Yeah, I'm... I'm 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 trying to formulate words without going down a path. Without going to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. That's just Goalies, 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 goalies. Yeah, we know who picked this story, right? (laughs) Yes. It was definitely Cisco. Oh, yes, the third member of our team. So, uh, jump on in. Ah, found this on ESPN Plus. Actually, I found it because I got a an alert from Twitter X or X Twitter or whatever the heck you want to call that. You know, the thing where you got the check marks and oh, don't see. Me I I looked. I opened this story up. Yes. And immediately lost respect for the article. And really? sorry, Wish. Um, that was quick. <laughs> well, I can't say immediately, but it only took me getting to number 26. And, and either they have entirely too much faith in Jordan Bennington, wait, or wait I minute, don't know still the, enough about Joel Hopper. That's still like the bottom 25th percentile or something. I mean, it's not like they ranked them third. Yeah. So anyway, this article is written by Greg Wyshynski over at ESPN, who I have respect for. I like Wyshynski. Uh, he and I'm not sure if he identifies if there's a team of people. I know that he, he talked to Marty Biron to get uh, – he also discussed with a variety of goalie experts, coaches, analytics gurus, former players – uh, he used hockey reference, money puck, evolving hockey, and he put together a list of the best goalie of, of the goalie tandems in the NHL, ranked one through thirty-two. And of course, thirty-two is the Chicago Blackhawks because the best option they have, I think, is the rookie kid Drew Camesso. But uh, and there's no surprise, obviously, at number one because how do you not look at the Bruins goaltending and say they aren't the best tandem in the NHL. And regardless of watching their preseason, regardless of what you, uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. The starters were not exactly fabulous. Maybe they just didn't. I'm just going to assume that they were told go out there. Don't get get hurt. And don't get hurt. Because none of them were really throwing themselves around the way Brendan Bussey was in the first game. (laughs) <laughs> Bussy played big boy hockey. Oh yeah, he his, did. Yeah, in his game. Oh yes, he did. 
And then it was in game two, it was Kaiser and DiPietro. And I thought not having seen DiPietro play, and we're not talking about Rick DiPietro, the one that's still earning money from the Islanders, I believe. <laughs> um, wow, that was a smart contract. Uh, uh, this is Mike DiPietro, who was in the Vancouver system, and we got him in a trade. But what I saw out of him in limited minutes, granted it was only half the period, half the second game, he actually looks the part. I'm I'm fine with Bruins goaltending for the next. <laughs> three to five years. I mean, at least because between Bussy Kaiser look good. I mean, but I'm not worried about that. What concerns me is when you get into like the middle, they still, even though, even though he knew that Vasilevsky was going to be out for the first 10 to 12 weeks, the first two to three months mm-hmm. of the NHL season, he still ranks Tampa Bay eighth. Mhm. I'm not. No. I think this goes back to what I've been saying for about two solid years at this point. There's a goalie. There's an elite goalie drought right now. It's to the point where sixty percent of a season of Andre Vasilevsky. Coupled with Jonas uh, Johansson is better than five sixths of the league. I mean, you look at the team just after them: Igor Shesterkin and Jonathan Quick. Now, Jonathan Quick is, unfortunately, I think, and I agree with this. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with a placing of ninth. But if you read it, this was more – this little blurb about the Rangers was more a celebration of Yarrow Halak than it was a, <laughs> a celebration of, of the Rangers goaltending. Yeah, uh, as, elite, as elite as Shesterkin is, he's a goalie that has yet to play 60 games in a season, so the backup is important for the Rangers. Therein lies the problem. Gone is the reliable Yaroslav Halak to free agency. Arriving is what's left of Jonathan Quick, the 37-year-old former Conn Swythe winner. Uh, Quick posted 882 save percentage. Uh, Oh, down the bottom here. They went from a guy who consistently posts top 15 adjusted save percentage numbers in Halak to a guy who consistently in the bottom 15. Uh, Why would you do that? Is Halak going to cost you that much more than Quick? I can't imagine it. Was Halak unpopular in the dressing room or something? And my, I, to my understanding, Halak still doesn't have a – unless he's signed and I haven't seen it. I think he's still unsigned. I believe you're right. Um, not something we have time to look up tonight. No. But, I mean, it, it was an interesting list. Uh, and my favorite, I think my favorite is the fact that they put Nashville Predators at number three. And you think about it. I love you, say Saros. You know me. I've talked about mm-hmm. him since before he was a rookie when he yeah, was drafted correct. by Nashville. Uh, and it talks about he, he 
But they've got the backup. The backup in Nashville is now a guy by the name of Kevin Lankinen. Do you remember him? I do, actually. A couple of years ago, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Saved their bacon. <laughs> Won, like, 12 games in a row or something. I mean, it was some ridiculous number. He oh, was yeah. posting 925 save percentages. I mean, I remember it was because I had him on my fantasy team. And for him to be a backup with, oh, wait, 916 save percentage, quality starts percentage of 611 behind Yaro, I mean, behind Yusei Saros. Yeah, I think that they're going to surprise some people. Do they have the... Do they have the product in front of the goaltending? They've got Roman Yossi, obviously. You've still got Philip Forsberg and, and, and whatnot. But do they have enough product in front of the team to make them successful? No. You don't win games one to nothing in the current NHL. You don't win games 2-1 very often. And that's where the last sentence comes into play. <clears throat> With due respect to Roman Yossi, Barry Trotz, and the existence of Broadway, Saros remains the best thing about the Nashville Predators. He's not wrong there. And <laughs> I don't think so either. But then you got Connor Hellebuck at four. You got Ottinger at five, who I think is, based on what he did last year and the fact that he played 62 games, and I'm I'm all in on Ottinger. Ottinger? Otter is a fabulous goaltender. Ottinger plays some big boy hockey, and it's big. fun to watch. And I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm 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 all in on Otter in Dallas. I think that they I think that they're gonna compete for the West or the Pacific because they're in the Central, I believe. But they're gonna win the. I think they'll win the West or win the West I, in the regular season or win the rest in the postseason and you have well, that's no the other idea thing. that's the other thing they need to take a, they need to take that next next step because Seattle pushed them hard and when you said ought it made me twitch and remember Steve Ott oh no Ottinger's nickname is Otter so yes I know <laughs> but Steve Ott huh I haven't thought about Steve Ott in a while <laughs> He's a he's an assistant coach with the uh, with the St. Louis Blues, and given that he's been there through the through their cup win um, since seventeen eighteen, he's only forty one now. Um, he might be looking at he might be looking at a uh, head coaching job for his own sometime in the near future. Um, played 848 regular season games, 61 uh, postseason games, 1,555 penalties for the well-behaved young man, um, 109 goals, 288 points, um, mm-hmm. Summerside PEI. Okay. Um, given that sort of tenure with with the blues it it really isn't going to surprise me if we see if we hear his name come up for some of these coaching openings in the next year or two 
Um, I, well, wasn't there another another individual that you wanted to uh, another individual that you told me about? You sent me the video. Um, I I'm did t- send you the video. Um, Gary something. Gary. Um, Coach Ward of the Phantoms of the W of the USHL. Is it Gary Ward? I think his first name was Gary. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Ryan Ward. Ward. I don't know where I got Gary. Coach in team history came in May 17th of 20 of 2002. Stop me if you've heard this before, but he's a Massachusetts native, so we may end up seeing him get talked about in Boston at some point as a head coach. Um, Former director of player personnel for uh, the Tri-City Storm. Um, Spent time with the Sioux Greyhounds of the OHL, the San Antonio the Rampage of the AHL, Toronto Marlies. Also spent time um, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and New York Islanders, mm-hmm. resident of Chicago, okay, uh, with his wife and kids. I think this guy is probably on the got to be on multiple short lists to look at, um, in terms of NHL head coaching slots pretty soon. Okay. Um. Um, yeah, who are the young? I'm not even sure. Are the young town? Are the Youngstown Phantoms tied to anybody? Youngstown Phantoms, the USHL. Um, I don't. Oh, oh, it's USHL. Okay. Yes. So um. So nobody's he, head coach there now. But nobody's got their hooks in. It, it, it's not like he's head coach of of the Providence Bruins or something where Boston no. would kind of have the inroads. Nobody's got real inroads with this guy. No, but with him having touched the Leafs, um, who is San Antonio's? Um, who is San Antonio's team? Is that San Antonio? Anyways, hold on a second. Um, you're you got me off track again. Oh, okay. My apologies. So with his having worked with the Islanders, he was a video coach there, assistant coach at the University of Rhode Island, uh, ACHA, um, assistant coach for uh, the Sioux Greyhounds, video coach for the San Antonio Rampage, um, Selects Academy, 15 and under, um, but last year... Uh, he's also been the uh, for the EP, uh, team elite EVP engine. Uh, e, I'm sorry, EP Invitational uh, last year. He was the head coach. Um, so this guy is getting noticed. Um, he was the head coach last year when they when the Youngstown Phantoms won uh, the Grey Cup, and he did it as a first year coach. Nice. That goes a long way. That goes a very long way because it's not just – I mean, he was he was coach of the – I mean, he's, it's his first 
you know, in that tier, he's coached, he coached an under 13 team as the head coach. Um, he coached a tournament as, as a head coach, but to coach a major, uh, like a U.S. major uh, junior team, having been affiliated with the, with those other systems, I give it three years before he's behind an NHL bench. It may not be as an NHL head coach immediately, but if I'm a head coach in the NHL and I have two bad seasons in a row and suddenly my front office is adding him as the new assistant coach in an off season, I'm very worried. Very worried. It's interesting. I'm looking at the standings, and the Youngstown Phantoms are actually listed at fifth in the Eastern Conference. I mean, granted, it's early in the season. They've played five games. Uh, the most anybody's played is the U.S. National Development National Team Development, uh, yep. USA Hockey. Yes. They've played seven games. They're four and three. Youngstown Phantoms played five. They're three and two. Youngstown Phantoms have scored 23 goals and have only allowed 11. They're outscoring their opponents two to one, and they're three and two. The I, I, I'm just I'm fascinated by the fact that the team ahead of them in the standings has scored 32 and allowed 35. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, it, now, granted, the Muskegon Lumberjacks have scored 30 and allowed 19, but it's just, um, I don't know. Is I don't know if USA Hockey is I actually a USA team. Number one to Owen uh, Bartzakiewicz. Yeah. Uh, their goaltender in three games, he's two and one, three goals against, 9.63 save percentage and a 1.01 goals against average. Now, which one is this? Is this the one from Massachusetts? Uh, no, no, no. This is uh, their goaltender, the Youngstown Phantoms. Yeah, which which goaltender? Owen, got... uh, please don't uh, make me say that last name again. Oh, no, no. I'm not going to make you say the last name again. I was just trying to the – they've, they've got three listed, and one of them is actually from Westford, Mass. So. Um. The, uh, this one is committed to University of Minnesota for next uh, next season. Of course he is. <laughs> um, he was a USHL goaltender of the week back in the 21-22 season. Um, okay. I don't remember if he is drafted or not. Let me let me throw him at you um, at Elite Prospects because that's the last name that I would at least remember having seen before. By the way, both Owens are from Matt from Michigan. But uh, you're talking about Bartoskovitz. Yeah, that one. University of Minnesota. Well, let's see. With his numbers, he was either going to a Minnesota team, a Michigan team, or a Massachusetts team. <laughs> 2.04 goals against 935 state percentage. No, that's oh, that's game by game. Excuse me. Oh wow, he is actually not. He is draft eligible next year. 
Owen? Yes. No, wait, I'm sorry. He's 20 years old now. I missed the math. That's all right. Um, Got to be interesting. Uh, well, actually, he just hasn't played a great deal. Um, just hasn't played a great deal this season. He's gotten two of the starts. Um Uh, gonna be what else do we have on the board today? Oh my goodness. I thought we covered everything, but let's take a quick gander here and see what's going on. Mm, excuse me. Well, you do have and I'm surprised that you're the one that put it up, but you do have Red Wings roster reductions left on the actual storyboard here well I, I try and take care of um of the team <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> other than that uh, so everything. thomas roth yesterday on the eighth wrote uh the ring the wings assigned uh bergeron ha, uh, hanas soderheim edmondson to the ahl grand Grand uh, rapids griffins Assigned Nathan Danielson to or Nate Danielson to the Western Hockey League. Um, designated Matt Luff and Carter Mauser as non-injured roster as injured non-roster, bringing the team uh, down to the 23 men. 13 forwards, seven defensemen, three goaltenders. Uh, the Wings will begin their 98th season, making them slightly younger than everyone's beloved Boston Bruins. <laughs> um, any surprises in these in these cuts? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, Nate Danielson. I think he was on he, he was on a similar uh, situation as as Matthew Poitou. I think that he he was he was one of those that can't go to. I mean, the two recognizable names that got sent down: Jonathan Bergeron. And Simon yep. Edmondson, a little surprising, but as far as defense goes, based on who they kept on the team, I don't know where they were going to squeeze him in. I think that he's probably your first call up if one of these guys, if if, if somebody goes down. Uh, and, and as far as Bergeron, I think they're just stuffed full at forward, so. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there aren't any real surprises. They they kept on the roster, they're going to keep on the roster. I think they're going to compete. I think they've improved at the goalie position. Uh James Reimer is only James Reimer last season was only the first time in his career that he didn't have over a 90 over a 90 save percentage. Alex Lyon mm-hmm. saved Florida's bacon last year. Mm-hmm. When Bobrovsky went down, and as I've said before, Billy Huso was the better of the two goaltenders in St. Louis, and I still believe that. So, I think they've improved at the goaltender position. I their defense is still not the strongest. I like Olimata. I love Moritz Sider, obviously, but I think it's serviceable and. That's not necessarily a compliment. And 
I think their forwards are going to put the puck in the net. JT Comfer is a fabulous two-way player. Came over from Colorado. Uh, they got lots of youth in Raymond and Costin. Joe Valeno is going to – I think he's he's only going to improve. They brought in Debrinkit, who can score. Uh, Zach Aston Reese doesn't have a number next to him. I was – it, surprised isn't the right word, but I read somewhere else that he was actually sent down to the Griffins. So I don't know if they, if he was a uh, pass through waivers or something. I, I I don't know why he's listed here, and I read somewhere else that he went down. So no, no surprises. But it's a team that's going to get them either just outside the playoffs or they're going to squeak in in seventh or eighth. To seventh best team in the East this year, that's a victory. Take your flowers. <laughs> Take your flowers. I, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and guarantee it, but it, like I it, think I legitimately will say that if they make it to seventh in the East this year, extend Derek Lalonde and give the team their flowers. Okay. Um, I think that I think that Eisenman is doing this the right way. He's doing it the same way he did in Tampa. Tampa Bay was not a an overnight rebuild. Everybody thought that no, because he was everybody thought that because he was going there and what he did in Tampa Bay that they were going to immediately become, you know, second or third uh, seeding. Uh, no, it took him a while in Tampa Bay to get all the prospects and, and to get the, the Hedmans and the Kucherovs and the Vasilevskis and the, to build that team up to where it was and that he was able to leave it and go back home to Detroit and fix that organization. It's going to take, he's, he, he's on the right path. It, it, I think they still got another year or two. I want to see so. one or two more young guys step up. Um, we all know I really, really, really like um, Maurice Sider. No, he's, um, I think that the rest of their blue line still needs to make a, a, a strong impression upon me. Yeah. Um, the roster needs work. Yes, and I agree with that. Um, just see, I've just seen a projection of the Bruins opening night roster. And I know that there's a bunch of these floating around. This one's from Josh Erickson of Pro Hockey Rumors. Mm -hmm. Um, It projects Stanton Heinen as the 13th forward. um, Has your first line of James Van Riemsdyk, Pavel Zaka, and David Pasternak. Third line of uh, Marchand and DeBrusque uh, centered by Coyle. Um, your third line of Frederick and Geeky with Matthew Portois. Um, and then Lucic, Beecher, and Lauko. Um, that fourth line is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Beecher, Beecher, Beecher Lauko, and, and Lucic? Yes. Okay, and why is it fascinating? Because Lauko's got some speed. Yes. Beecher... Okay. Beecher's not particularly slow. Um, he, and he, the, he's and I said it what a week or two ago. He's like Luch. He's straight line speed. He's got it. He's, he's not. A, he's a very solid passer. 
Um, I want to see how his passing works in actual NHL games before I'll go above very solid. Um, and Lucic knows how to make space, keep space, and take space. Um, yes. Uh, the top six is solid. It's respectable, mostly. Um, okay. Even though you don't like JVR. I I, I bet someone on Twitter that if they if JVR scores 16 goals or more for the Bruins this year, I would I would make I would donate fifty dollars to their favorite charity. Okay, fair enough. Because I don't see it happening. Um, I'm okay with those lines. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> Um, defense, well, uh, yeah, defense pairs, Grizzlick and McAvoy, Windham and Carlo, Forbert and Shattenkirk. And then um, you have Olmark and Swayman uh, in that the least surprising roster non-moves in the last <laughs> 15 years of hockey. Well, the least, I don't know, if, if the least surprising is... Omar and Swayman, I think the second least surprising has got to be Grizzlick and McAvoy because that's no, the only way. No, I think it's Shattenkirk going Shat- into camp. Shattenkirk. Going into camp. I'm not saying in camp, but going into camp, if you told me that Kevin Shattenkirk was actually going to look like an NHL defenseman again, mm-hmm. I would have told you that you needed to report for testing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you can't tell me that you really thought any different. The first pl- the first preseason game that I saw him in, he actually surprised me because he was not just serviceable. He was actually good. He was responsible. He played better than I expected. They're putting him in the same situation that they put Clifton in last year. They're pairing him with Floyd so that he can be more offensive minded. My worry is that he's not as defensively sound as Clifton was. And I really don't think he's as physical as Clifton is. No, I I worry about his defense. I worry about his durability. You look at his NHL career. We're going to skip the last three seasons because I mean, his in the 21-22 season, yeah, he played all 82 games. It's great. He played 75 last year, but we're talking, and he played 55 of these 60 games or 56 games in the 2021 season. But they're all for Anaheim, who had no threat of making the playoffs, hadn't been in the playoffs in three years. Um, you go back before that, 70 games, 73 um, 46, just, uh, I'm worried. I am worried about his durability. He is now. But that's why you keep an Ian Mitchell. He'll be 35, uh, January 29th. He's got 891 regular season games on his body. So if Ian Mitchell really is a seventh defenseman and Lowry has been sent back to Providence, 
Uh, As of right now, that's that where is e, the projection. Yep. That's where Ian Mitchell is probably going to be sneaking in most of the time is uh, Shatton, on, uh, uh, as Shattenkirk's replacement. Yes, that. Um, and Lynn, even Lynn. Uh, rolling a little bit further here. Yeah. Um, Buffalo. This the projection in the article. Their forward lines, not going to say a huge amount about it. Um, although uh, Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, Zach Benson, Jordan Greenway, Casey Middlestat, Alex Tuck, John Jason Paterka, Dylan Cousins, Victor Olofsson, uh, Zemgis Gergensons, Peyton Krebs, and Kyle Ocposo with an extra of Tyson Yost um, and with Jack Quinn and Matthew Savoy on the injured reserve. Um, starting with the defense at the back, uh, at the bottom of the uh, pairings, you have Jacob Bryson as your extra D, okay. Matthias Samuelson and Eric Johnson as your third pair, Owen Power and Henry Yogi Haru as your second pair, and Rasmus Dahlin and the former number 75 in black and gold, um, Connor Clifton beside Rasmus Dahlin on your Connor top. Connor Clifton, top pairing defenseman. Who predicted it? This guy. <laughs> I hope you're pointing at me. I was pointing at me, but okay. Um, and their defense and their goaltending is pretty interesting because they have this has Devin Levi. Backed up by Eric Comrie with the extra goaltender of Uka Pekalukanen. Uh, favorite Uka. name to say. Uka Pekalukanen. I, I don't know. He's going to be – this is his last season under contract. He's an RFA with arbitration rights at the end of the year. I can't imagine that they're going to let him go a season without – seeing what he's got if if it's uh, I don't think that we've seen what he's fully capable of I think there's been injuries the fact that they haven't had decent defense uh, if they really are all in on Devin Levi he played well at Northeastern uh, almost almost better than Caden Primo but no actually he did play better than Cameron Primo but <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that Devin Levi, I think there's one concern with him, and I think that he's a little over-aggressive in the net, and I think that once teams figure him out, it's going to be uh, more of a liability. So I'm not sold on Devin Levi yet. Um, so let's make some predictions. Okay. Here's my first prediction. Yes. The Ottawa Senators can lose less than 60 games to injury and suspension between their top four defensemen, and that's Chikrin, Shabbat, Sanderson, and Zub, and average a 914 save percentage, they make the playoffs. Ottawa makes the playoffs. 
914 save percentage, less than 60 games lost between Chikrin, Shabbat, Sanderson, and Zub. Okay. I like their defense as well. Uh, you're, you got a prediction for us? Uh, do I have a prediction? I was thinking about this, and I keep going back and forth whether I want to say it out loud. It's one of those things where I'm worried if I say it out loud that it's not going to happen. I'm not concerned about what people think. They can certainly give me all kinds of grief if they would like. But uh, I'm going to my I've been watching L.A. Kings lately. And my prediction is that by the end of the season, L.A. will be in the fight to win the Western Conference. Or the Western Division, whatever they call it out there. Pacific Division, yeah. I know that they've still got Vegas. The Pacific, not the West, the Pacific. I know they've got Vegas. Um, I know they've got Edmonton. But I think that the LA Kings are actually going to win the Pacific. And I think they'll be in competition for winning the Western Conference as well. Wow. Okay. Um, So here's my prediction. My next prediction. I think the Florida Panthers win their division this year. The Atlantic. With Tampa Bay and Toronto and Boston. Vasilevsky is out (laughs) for three plus months. I did say that. I did say that. Florida wins. I have concerns about Florida. Oh, I have concerns about Florida, too. I have concerns about their goaltending. I think that we're at a point in the NHL where there's a changing of the guard. Like, the 03 class is practically extinct at this point. They replaced one. They replaced one backup from Philadelphia that they that 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 played in Philadelphia with another backup who played in Philadelphia. Now, granted, Anthony Stolarz was pretty good when he was out there in Anaheim land, and and Gibson was was hurt. I like Stolarz. I like Lyon better, but they're both they're both solid backups. You notice we haven't heard a whole lot about Spencer Knight. Uh, yep. And in we the talked player about assistance. a lot of reasons for that earlier. Well, in the player assistance program, uh, I did see something interesting. Apparently, he is dealing with a situation uh, that involves obsessive compulsive disorder. Not starting uh, to try. Not not trying to start rumors. I actually read that in the art in the in the article that I sent you that we talked about with the 32 goaltending tan 32 goaltending tandems it actually says it in there that that's what he was because he came up and announced it publicly 
he was actually very forthcoming about the information from the way the article reads. Not that he's dealing nothing, with obsessive compulsive disorder. So I wish him well because that's – I wish him well because that, a lot of that – that's one of those things that's – it feeds on itself. Yes. And as a goaltender, as someone who needs who, – who must have routine in order to function at their job and must have routine in terms of just regular daily life, breaking a bunch of routines that are – not helpful while maintaining others. Um, in psychology, there's when it comes to behavior change, there's uh, this phenomenon called extinction. Uh, that means when a behavior finally goes away. Um, unfortunately, one of the issues uh, that you run into when a behavior goes away, but underlying issues are still present is that you may you may uh, you may pick up a new bad habit to replace it like someone who goes from smoking three packs of cigarettes a day might start maybe maybe all they do is tap their fingers or their toes all day long yes it's not as bad for them but it's still annoying to a lot of people or maybe they pick up another chemical. Yeah. Um, you talk about, you know, sexual addiction being one of the hardest ones to break. Um, obsessive compulsive uh, disorder. It's got both the it's uh, it's a very complex thing. I am certainly not licensed. I did study psychology in school. Um, no. I do know a couple of people who have had uh OCD, like legit OCD, not just not thinking that they have OCD because they did something four times in one day. Right. Um, no, he, he was open and lot. honest about it. So it, it's a it, lot. I wish him well, but I do have concern. I, I mean, tying it back into tying it back into Florida, I do have concerns about their goaltending. I don't know. But that being said, I think Atlantic is wide open. I don't think there's one team that's really light years ahead of anybody else. They all have um, one thing they're good at. Maple Leafs good at goal, scoring goals. Tampa Bay Lightning good at scoring goals. Ottawa Senators, yeah, Florida Panthers, Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres. There isn't one team in the Atlantic that's like, oh my God, they're definitely going to win it. So, what's your next prediction? Next prediction, New Jersey Devils win the Met. Yes, the Hurricanes still play in the Metropolitan. Yes, the Islanders still play in the Metropolitan. New, New, New Jersey Devils win the Metropolitan Division. Going to do you one better, because I'm going to say that they're going to win the Met and the East, at least in the regular season. Really? Stealing my thunder. All right. Last prediction. My, and the last prediction. I want it to be something that's ridiculous because I, I only came up with two. So last prediction. Let's see. Let's go with something really good. Arizona Coyotes 
will squeak into the eighth playoff spot in the West or in the in the central or however it works in nowadays my mind is completely gone crazy because it's after nine o'clock on a monday night okay um cisco only gave us one prediction he says he can't actually count to three um cisco says that uh ovechkin more than 45 goals this season He's going to get within 45 goals? Or more than 45 goals. He's going to score more than 45. Okay. I'm writing that down, Cisco. Just like I wrote down, Arizona Coyotes will make the playoffs. Oh, don't worry. I wrote them down myself. Uh, I'm trying not to put laugh. I'm trying not to put some kind of laugh track with that, but. Look, I know it's a very serious prediction. You were talking about it before we started recording. I like I like Carol Velmelka. I just the rest of the team. I, I'm I don't know. They're they're supposedly improving. I haven't seen it. I'm hoping they prove me wrong. I still like Carol Velmelka in in goal, and the the kid that backs him up is actually a decent goaltender in his own right. If I could remember his name off the top of my head, I'd be even better. But that's every. I mean, we've covered everything and then some in this show. So I mean, this is a. This yes, is a we have. This is our. This is, is our super beefy season open opener. Um, I, would I say can't so. wait. Literally, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. Comment, send us tweets. Um, we left. are always interested in knowing what people want to know about um, what people are talking about in their hockey. If you see or make a ridiculous hockey trade in your fantasy league, absolutely screen cap it and send it to me uh, because I find those hilarious. Um, Anybody, anybody who agrees with me that Arizona is going to make the playoffs, please tell me. (laughs) Definitely. I I don't want to be the only one. In fact, we're going to make that our will they or won't they poll question for this week. (laughs) Will they or won't they? The Arizona Coyotes make the playoffs. You will find the link in the show's – you will find the link in the show's uh, description. description. We will will see you next week, folks. Hockey is here. Hockey is here. Uh, wrap your stick in whatever variety of tape that uh, that blesses your heart. Please, somebody else vote yes. I don't want it to be 100 to zero. <laughs> Have a great week.